Well, welcome to Victory, everybody. If you're glad you made it to church, can we put our hands together one more time for Jesus in this place? Come on. Hallelujah. Well, we're in the hands of the Lord, y'all. And I'm excited that we have an opportunity to be here today. And most of all, I'm glad that each and every time we join together, God says, there's a new opportunity for you to see me in a different way each and every time. And even as you heard, as I was ministering and as I was kind of navigating through that moment with God, the hovering word over us today that even again started in a nine o'clock service that will continue today is that God wants us to conquer our comfort. He wants us to conquer the comfort zone. And for many of us, we've been living for a long time comfortable. And so today, I have a whole message that I have prepared. I'm going to try to just give it to you as I sense it. Is that all right? Because I believe that the Lord, more than going through the form and fashion of a sermon, he wants us to be able to grab his word and really receive it today. And so what I need from you today, though, is I need cooperation. I need participation from the standpoint of this. As you hear something, don't argue with it in your mind. There are moments where we need to be taught something, and then there's moments where we need to be catching something. And this is the moment where we need to catch it, amen? I'm going to tell us some stuff, but I do want to do this. I'm going to try to kind of just go through this and just sense where the Lord is taking us today. But here's the thing. I do want us to celebrate something because we are in this last week of our series, Look Both Ways. And we've been navigating through this over the last five weeks, today making the six weeks, where we really have been dealing with the subject of eternity. And as we've been talking about this, we talked about hell, heaven. We talked about the awe of God, false prophets, and even last week talking about our salvation being secure. And even last week, we had 83 people make a confession of faith and give their lives to Jesus just right here at Victory Midtown. And we had, I think, 73 people get baptized last week right here. So can we give God praise for those who are responding to the word? as God is adding to his church each and every day. Listen, as we've been talking about Look Both Ways, I was at the door last week and a gentleman came and he shook my hand. He said, now, Pastor, you've been telling us to look both ways and I've looked to the left and I've looked to the right. When can we stop looking and when can we start walking? And I laughed and I said, man, you know, that's actually true. Yes, we've been taking inventory of, of what eternity looks like so that we know how to live in time. And so today, I really want to kind of pose this question. This is not in your notes. For those who want to follow along with the notes, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app. You'll be able to get all the message notes, even for those things that I don't hit today. But here's the question that's not in our notes that I need us to grab. The question is this. How do we live now? in light of our view of eternity. How do we live now understanding that we know that there's a real hell, we know that there's a real heaven, we know that our salvation is secure if you've confessed him, if you believe, if he's entered into your life in a transforming way, how does that determine how you'll live now? As a matter of fact, we need to ask ourselves this question often, how should my life look different in light of what I say I believe? Because you can say a whole lot of things, but how many of you know the old saying is that the proof is in the? Because if we don't change something, it'll just be words. 
And for far too long, I believe the body of Christ and people at large, we've gotten stuck at the place of information instead of allowing information to turn into revelation. And revelation is only revelation if it pushes you to action. Let me say that one more time. Revelation is only revelation if it pushes you to action. And so I love how David, who who God said he was a man after my own heart. He prayed this prayer in Psalm 39, verse 4. He said, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth would be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. What he was simply saying right there is he was saying, Lord, teach me how to live here now. Teach me how to live in this blink of an eye that we call life. Because I need to make sure that the life I live is matching up with who you said I am. And so as we navigate this, I want to say this, that in simple terms, we really only have two choices when it comes to life. We have a choice that we can live out our days here on this earth, either in comfort or with conviction. Either with comfort in the comfort zone or with conviction to a point that when God tells us to move, we'll move. That when he speaks to us, we won't harden our hearts. That when he shifts us in a direction that we're not familiar with, we won't argue with him, but we will say, here I am, Lord, I'm available. And so what I know as I've been even preparing this week and praying for you is that a lot of times the body of Christ is caught up in a trap. A lot of times the body of Christ is caught up in the trap of being so selfishly heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. What do I mean by that? Yes, we know our salvation is secure, but we stop at that. So what we've settled in this earth to do is that we say, okay, I've now gotten my eternity secure. I know I'm going to heaven. Forget the rest of y'all. But that's not the way that God wants us to walk. Because I want to remind us that we weren't just saved from hell. We were saved for God. Can I say that again? You were not just saved from hell. You were saved for God and for a purpose. What am I talking about? Paul says it like this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. He says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. He says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works. He says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What he's saying right there is that you were saved to do something. Say this with me. Say, I was saved to do something. Say, I was not saved just to exist. Come on, I need you to say it with your chest. Say, I was saved to do something. I was not saved to simply exist. But if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll allow ourselves to look at our eternal comfort and that will make us comfortable Christians. Because we'll say, yes, I'm going to heaven. That's good. Everything is okay. And the temptation of a believer is that we can check the box and we can just camp out in the comfort zone. We can camp out there not knowing that God has something more for us. But how many of us know nothing significant happens in the comfort zone. 
I was thinking about this morning uh, when I was working out today, and I, I kind of thought about this whole notion of the comfort zone. And the Lord just brought to my mind football. It's football season, and you're going to watch some games if you're a football fan today. And there are some teams that they're known for running a zone defense. In those zone defenses, what you see is that their whole mission is to just kind of hold you at bay just enough so nothing drastic happens in the game. They want to just kind of go little by little and make sure you can continue to move down the field, move down the field, but you're going to have to dink and dunk. You're going to have to move down methodically. But how many of you know that is indicative of the body of Christ right now? That the body of Christ has been playing zone defense. That we've been sitting back, letting the enemy just kind of go and hit this thing over here and hit that thing over there. He's been messing with you over here and messing with you over there. And you're not totally in the world, but he's like, if I can just keep on pricking away at you, if I can keep pricking away at you, if you'll tolerate me, you'll actually start getting comfortable with me. But prophetically, I even feel right now that we're not supposed to be people who play a zone defense. There are some times when the coach, he sees that the game plan needs to change and he calls a blitz. And when the coach calls a blitz, he's saying, we're going to go with reckless abandon because we're going after a mission to take out the one who's trying to take us out. I got news for us today here at Victory Midtown that the Lord is not comfortable with you being comfortable anymore. The Lord is not comfortable with you hearing good words, getting fat on the word, receiving it, kind of being comfortable in your Christianity. He's saying, I need an all-out blitz on the devil's kingdom right now. And I believe that there's some people right here at Victory Midtown, in the room, online, in overflow right now, that says, I have an assignment, and God, as you tell me to go and blitz, I'm going to blitz hell like never before. I'm going to make sure that I don't allow the devil to come and steal things from my bloodline anymore. I'm going to place a cease and desist in the spirit right now because I'm tired of being tired. I'm fed up with allowing him just to linger around right now. But in order to do that, we have to make sure that we're not sitting in the comfort zone. Because you might not realize it, but a lot of Christians, not you, but your neighbor, they're real comfortable in this time in their lives. Some of us are in this room was like, you know, you're up here challenging. You know, you're all in my face right now. You don't even know what it took for me to even just start coming to church. I'm glad that you're coming to church, but I'm letting you know it doesn't stop there. This is just the beginning. Because if we're not careful, what we'll do is that we'll get into this cycle of comfortable Christianity. What's the cycle of comfortable Christianity? Okay, I'm born again. I'm on fire for God. I'm telling everybody about God. No one can shut me up about God. I start getting plugged into the church. I start serving. I get in a small group. I'm giving to the church. I'm, I'm paying my tithes. I'm giving my offering. I'm serving on Sundays. Then when things start to change a little bit, when that fire kind of comes down a little bit, when I've gotten comfortable with my salvation, then we kind of start shifting. We start shifting and saying, okay, well, I can't serve as much as I used to. I can't give as much as I used to. You know, I, I used to come to the 11 o'clock service and nobody got in there until after the second song. But now if I get there at 11.05, I'm sitting in the overflow. 
Somebody's sitting in my seat. I'm mad now. Now I I stop coming to church because there's no room for me. Then I start watching online here and there. Then I'm not watching online at all. I'm just trying to regurgitate an old word that God gave me in the last season. You do all that. You fall away. And then you die. You might not die physically, but you die spiritually. Because it's not that church makes you a Christian. But church allows you to be equipped to walk the Christian life in an effective way. And what we need to know and be very clear about Satan's disguises is that the trap of the comfort zone is that he wants to get us in a consumer mentality. He wants us to think church is just another thing, another optionary, uh, option, uh, option that we can take and just kind of lock in when we want to. But I want us to know that being with God is not optional. We all need to make sure that we're getting refined in the things of the Lord. So as we're walking through this, I have something for us because as we're looking to make sure we break this consumer mentality, we can't be those people who do this. You might find yourself in this, and I want you, as, as I go through this, just to see if you find yourself in here. Some Christians, once they get a little comfortable, they kind of get in this mode where they're constantly church shopping. Where you go to the hottest church, the place that people are saying come to, not because God and his presence is showing up there, but because who you're going to meet there. Because of who's on the platform. Because of who's in this section or that section. We have to make sure that we're not looking to receive something from God that he never intended for us to get in church. And what happens is that when we do that and we misalign, we end up pushing more people away from the church. So we can't get caught up in just church shopping. We can't get caught up in, number two, a critical spirit. To where you feel like your spiritual gift is to tell the church everything that's not right. Here's the kicker. We welcome constructive criticism. We welcome you telling us where is the area that we can get better. But I will tell you. God did not give you the spiritual gift of criticizing everything. Watch this. And you won't help anything. It's one thing if you're actively involved, if you're a part of the family. But what if somebody came to your house unannounced, knocking on the door, ain't never been there before. And as soon as they walk in, why why your walls look like that? Why you got that kind of couch? We allow people who have never committed to the family to dictate how the family lives. And so we have to make sure we don't get caught up in that. What's another thing that we do in the consumer mentality? We, we kind of go to this minimal attendance thing where, you know, I used to come every week or at least as, as much as I can because of work, but now I just kind of come once in a while because, you know, I'm no longer getting fed like I used to. They didn't sing my song this week. Let me tell you, if you didn't know already, welcome to Victory. We are an equal opportunity offending church, meaning that you're not going to get your song every week. But what I can say is that we're going to get the song of the Lord in this place. We're going to actually feel and sense the presence of the Lord in this place. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw every man unto me. So as long as we're lifting up the name of Jesus, I declare that we are in the right place at the right time. Another thing in the consumer mentality is that we have a lack of relationships. We'll say things like, I don't do people. You know, that's why I don't come to the 11 o'clock. You know, it's just too many people. You know, the 9 o'clock used to say that, and they're full now too. 
We'll, we'll say things like, you know, especially if my introverts in the house, please, Pastor Mo, do not give me a say something to your neighbor today. <laughs> Just for that, look at your neighbor real quick. <laughs> and say, I'm glad you came to church today. <laughs> we breaking all that up. <laughs> Listen, the fifth thing that happens when we have this consumer mentality is we have unrealistic expectations on leadership. We'll say things like, don't ask me to serve. Don't ask me to give. Don't ask me to do anything. I pay you to do that. Pastor, that's your job. I pay my offering and my tithes if and when I do, and that's my ticket of admission. You know, I pay y'all so you're supposed to clean and pick up the stuff after you. You know, I know I cried all service with that tissue, but I just left it on the floor. I'm going to take my kids to, to, to children's ministry, and this is the only hour and a half that I get some peace and quiet all week. Take care of my kids, and it's your job to do that. I'm going to go in here and worship. I pay people to go on mission trips. I'm not going to be missional. But yet, if I go to the hospital, I want the pastor to show up even though I'm not even locked into the family. I want somebody to come in and jump through hoops even though I'm never connected to a small group and I come in and I go out and I leave and I don't add anything. I'm going to do my job and give my input by clapping to the pastor and say, you go, yes, that's right, get him, pastor. <laughs> Clapping is good, but I got to clap back today. <laughs> and the clap back for all of us in this room today is that it's not just the staff's job. It's not just those 9% of people who are volunteers' job. It's all of our jobs to do the work of the ministry. Say amen, even if it's grudgingly and under compulsion right now. <laughs> so today, we're breaking the consumer mentality. Today, we're making sure we understand that we are not going to be those people who get saved from death spiritually, and then we sit and die a slow death physically in this earth, not having any impact, not reaching out to other people. And so here's what we need to know. God is calling us. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but I want you to go back and read this particular account. In Luke 5, Jesus went to the disciples who were actually cleaning their nets after a long day. And what he told them in that moment, he said, I know you're tired. I know you've been toiling all night. I know you find yourself busy because I know we got a lot of people in Midtown. You say, I'm busy. I can't do anything else. But in him seeing that they were busy and they toiled all night, he said, I know all of that. But I still need you to take another step. He said, I know you tried to, to fish in this way before, but I need you to launch out a little deeper. I need you to push a little harder. I need you to trust me at my word. And the Bible says, Peter and uh, Andrew, they say, okay, at your word, because you said it, we will do it because you said so. How many people in the room, you want to get to a place in your life that you can just be obedient and say, because you said it, I will do so. God is saying, because I said it, I need you to do so. But just like Jesus was talking to those disciples, he said, you need to go out a little deeper. I feel that in the spirit right now for Victory Midtown specifically right now and Victory Church that God is saying, I need you to go a little deeper. I need you to stretch a little bit more. I need you to be available for my work and what I have planned for you in the work of the kingdom. And so as we do this, we are opening ourselves up because here's the thing. Peter they were, they were fishing for fish in that moment. 
But in a moment, Jesus said, I'm going to take what you're good at naturally. I'm going to take your profession. I'm going to take your vocation. And and I'm not going to let you just be restricted to doing that. I'm now going to make you proficient in what my purpose is. You were a fisher of men, of a fish before, but now you're becoming a fisher of men. And so the same echo that Jesus gave them is what he's echoing to us today. He's saying we can no longer be comfortable sitting on the shore, watching other people drown in the ocean of sin and just say, I'm tired. I'm comfortable. As long as my family is good, I'm good. And so we have to make sure that we are aimed at God's purposes. I need to make this announcement very simply. This is not in your notes, but it's a simple statement. Comfort is not going to work anymore. Comfort is not going to work in this next season. Because in order to actually walk in everything God has for us, we got to actually have some stretch marks. I know in the natural, that's not popular, but God is saying in the spirit, I need you to get some stretch marks. I need you to open yourself up to me because you are only going to stay at the level that you are if you're not willing to stretch. And I've been praying for you. Kendra and I have been praying for you because our heart's desire is not for us just to come in here, have good services. Our desire is for us to stretch and have an impact, not just on the people who, by the way, found Victory Midtown, but for this whole city of Atlanta, for all of Midtown, that we look at them as fish. And we say, God, we are going to reel them in for the kingdom. Do I have anybody that wants to go with me in that? Anybody that's not satisfied with them being saved and everybody else going to hell? Anybody that says, just like I was lost at one time, there's some people that I know that's lost and I need to make sure that I will do unto others as I will have somebody do unto me. God is saying, pull them in. As a matter of fact, these words that he just said to me this morning, I wrote it down three times on my paper right here on my iPad, do something, do something, do something. J.C. Ryle says this. He says, souls are perishing and time is flying. He says, let us resolve by God's grace to do something, to do something for God's glory before we die. And so as we look at this and as we open ourselves up, listen, y'all have heard me say this time and time again. I am not interested in spending hours preparing for a message and spending hours counseling people if we're not going to actually change. I am not interested in going through the the merry-go-round of Christianity if we are not going to be people who look at the problem in this world and say, I'm going to be a part of the answer. And so in order to be a part of the answer, what we have to do is that we have to take the burden that God has put on us and we have to live it out. What does that mean? We have to be a people who are intentionally standing at the door of the kingdom, seeing people that otherwise would never come into Christ, seeing people that otherwise have been uh, filled with church hurt, seeing people that otherwise would actually give up on God. But again, aren't you glad God didn't give up on you? Aren't you glad? Can I get somebody just to act like you're a little bit excited about the fact that... In your mess, God said, I'm still coming after you. That even when you actually swerve me each and every time, I still said, I'm not going to let you swerve me. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to come after you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to qualify you. 
He's saying, I have so many other people that I need to do the same thing to. And watch this. It's not up to Pastor Mo to be the one that declares it all the time to the world. When you walk out of here, you see the scripture, it says, preach the gospel to all creation. Just because you don't have a microphone does not mean you're not supposed to preach. The best way that you can preach and the best way I want you to be able to preach is that you take what you've received, you embody the word, and you go out of here and you share your life that's been transformed so somebody else's life can be transformed. So here's the thing. I want to read this quote by Sam Shoemaker. It's a pretty long quote. He's the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it really sheds light on our posture of how we need to operate if we're going to be a people who come out of our comfortability and we walk in conviction. It's going to be on the screen and it's in your notes. He says this, I stand by the door. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which people walk when they find God. There is no use my going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside craving to know where the door is. They creep along the wall like blind men with outstretched groping hands, feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it. So I stand by the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for people to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing that anyone can do is to take hold of one of those blind, groping hands and put it on the latch. I admire the people who go way in, but I wish that they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they will be able to help the people who have not yet even found the door. You can go in too deeply and stay too long and forget the people outside the door. He says, as for me, I shall take my old accustomed place near enough to God to know he's there, but not so far from men as not to hear them and remember they are too. Where? They're outside the door. Thousands of them, millions of them. But more important for me, one, two, ten of them, whose hands I am intended to put on the latch. So I stand by the door. One of our major callings as believers and disciples of Christ is to lead people to the door. If you're not clear what that door is, who that door is, his name is Jesus. And if you don't hear this and have an urgency in your heart, I would venture to say that you might be trapped in a coma of comfort. That you might have gone too far in the door where you forget that your loved ones are sitting outside knocking. And what I believe is that we have an opportunity to stand by the door. And I just want to see by a show of hands, how many in this room say, I want to stand by the door? That I want to be a person who makes sure that I don't let people die while I'm going to heaven and I'm safe in his arms. Here's the thing. Hear this and get it in your spirit. It's in your notes. We have to allow our eternal comfort to not lull us into temporal comfort, but to allow our eternal comfort 
to push us into deeper waters of conviction. And today, I just sense that something is awakening in many of us in this room where you've been saying, God, I know there's more. You've been saying, God, I know you want to push me out of this boat. I know I've been kind of just consuming and taking in and getting fat on the word. I've been eating and eating and eating, and now I have indigestion because I've not processed that out to help somebody else. So how are we going to reach more people? First of all, we have to receive this word individually and corporately. What we have to do is we have to make sure that we start thinking bigger, that we start living bigger, that we start, what, praying bigger. That's a shout out to Saturday morning prayer for all those who come on Saturday morning. Thank you because what happens here on Sunday and during the week comes and happens because you pray. We have to start dreaming bigger and we have to even start planning bigger. Why? The prophet Isaiah said it like this prophetically. He said, if you want to have impact for me, Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 54, clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large, spread out, think big. Use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your what? Growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Listen, Victory Midtown. Kendra and I, when we pray for the city, when we pray for you, we're not trying to make a name for ourselves. We want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who go out into this world, receive what they've received here, and go out and share that to a dying, drowning world. But we have to receive it. When we talk about our growing family, this is not just a little cute scripture. If you have not noticed, look around. The family is growing. The family is growing here at Victory. And I will say this, it's happening at all of our campuses. God's grace has been on us in a supernatural way that in this last season, we have overflow at every single campus. And here's the thing, that's not something for us just to say, oh, we got a whole lot of people coming. No, we have a great impact. We have a great opportunity to share the gospel with so many other people because if this many people get it in here, oh my God, what can happen to the world around us? Here it is very soberly. In the last year before this, today's uh, membership class that's gonna happen this afternoon, we've had 2,112 men, women, and children join the Victory family across all of our campuses. Yeah, you, you can clap about that. That's a great big deal because that means that's 2,112 families whose trajectories have changed now. But here's the thing. Every single campus, we're experiencing supernatural growth. And that's exciting. But how many of you know when something's exciting, that means you have to now stretch and do something else. So I got three things that I want to share with y'all as we get ready to leave today, just as some announcements of everything that I'm saying today. Number one, you may not know this, but for 14 years, we've had a Spanish-speaking ministry at our Norcross campus that sees hundreds of people who are Spanish-speaking only. And this year, in January, we're actually going to be launching them out to be their own church so that they can have even more impact because they're now they're only able to be relegated to 1 o'clock. That's a good place to give God praise. That means more people in different cultures are going to receive God. That means more people who never heard the gospel in this way are going to have that experience. But not only is that exciting, somebody say, but wait, there's more. Each one of our campuses 
next year are going to be adding an additional service to make sure that we're able to take that net and grab more people and disciple more people for the gospel. Now, if you're not clapping about that, you're just concerned about your little place and you're saying, oh, I'm good because I got a seat. No, there are people who are looking and yearning for the gospel that we now will be able to serve. Listen, I'm not doing this because I just don't have anything else to do. Trust me, I am not sitting here saying, oh, let's add another service just because I want to preach more. Absolutely not. But how many of you know there are things that God will push you to do that when you trust him and go outside of your comfort zone, he will bless it supernaturally. And I believe that's what's going to happen. So announcement for all those people who you on the struggle bus to make it even to the 11 o'clock. February 18th, we are adding a 5 p.m. service here at Victory Midtown, and we're going to be able to reach this city. We're going to be able to reach uh, different colleges and different universities, and we are excited about those who are going to be able to come in to reach a whole different demographic for God. Can we give God praise for that right now? Come on. Give God praise for that right now. Here's the thing. With all of that, that's, a, that's good and it's good news, but with that, we're going to need help. The tragedy is that with all the great things that we're talking about, with all the things that are happening here, we only, I said it early, we only have about 9% of our congregation who are tapped in and actually serving on a regular basis. And if we're going to be those who are stretched outside of our comfort and really go with conviction, we have to be able to say, God, you bless me and I need to be able to bless somebody else. That I need to make sure that I come out of my comfort zone and I'm convicted to let somebody else receive you and experience you just like I did. And so what's going to happen, we need more people to start serving. We need you to tap in. We need you to make sure you're coming in because here's number three. Here's our third announcement. We're adding a new service here at Victory Midtown, but you're adding a new service as well. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Here's what I believe. I believe that I'm in a body of believers, that we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers also. And so you need to add and see, seek God, where can I add an area of serving? Where can I add a service? For some of us, that means you're going to start coming to one service and then serving one. But the challenge of that, even as this process through your mind right now, we have been subject to the bystander effect. What does that mean? That means you come in, you see people with signs, you see the lights, you see the camera, you're like, y'all don't need no help, y'all got it. Lies. You would be surprised at all the running around and things that are happening from the faithful few that are serving week in and week out, multiple services to allow this impact to happen. And as a matter of fact, I want us to put our hands together for those faithful people, the 9% who have been actually blessing this congregation. Come on, let's do better than that. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you so much for how you serve. Thank you for shepherding our children. Thank you for making sure people can get on this road and get out. We appreciate you so much. And in this next season, we don't want that to be the case. I was with the men yesterday at the men's conference, and one of the things they asked me, what's on your heart? I said, I want us to be such a great people where everybody is spreading the load, where we are all fully engaged in what God is saying we're going to do. And so we need you to show up. We need you to come and actually be a part of the mission and the vision here at Victory Church as we continue to impact people. They're going to put a QR code on the screen right now. And in this moment, this QR code is going to send you to our serve page. Because we can't just hear a word like this about coming out of our comfort and then just leave and not do anything. 
And so right now, I'm going to ask you, as your shepherd, as your pastor, please, everybody take out your phones. Everybody take out your phones. Go ahead and click on, click on that QR code. I know what some of us are thinking. You're saying, well, I don't really know if I have time to serve. Listen, you don't have time not to serve. Because if we say that we are Christ's disciples, if we are Christians, that means we do what Jesus did. And Jesus served above everything. And so we have some major areas of need as we get ready to start this five o'clock service. And even as we continue to shepherd the people who are coming here, we need specifically people to serve in our guest experience ministry, especially outside in the parking lot. All the men in the room, make a little noise for me right now. They were like, I don't know if I wanna make any noise right now. Listen, men in the house, I can say this confidently, when we were in our breakout yesterday, had about 100 men from Midtown at the men's conference, they have already started the trajectory of moving so that we can start stepping out and adding to the church. And so I wanna say thank you for that. But everybody else, listen, when you start serving, I guarantee you, you will actually experience things you didn't even know you needed. Because while you don't think you need to serve, I'm telling you, God wants to add value to you as you add value to the body and as we come in here as a family, amen? And so our two major areas are our guest experience outside and our children's ministry. Our children's ministry, and all the children's work, ministry workers just make some noise in the room. See, that's too few. We need a whole lot more because in this new season, as we build out that space over there, as we make more room in here, we're gonna have more families that need to be ministered to, amen? So here it is. If this is your church home, if you are getting fed here, if you're experiencing anything good here, it's time out for us just being recipients of God's blessings. And it's time for us to be participants in God's mission. It's time for us to stop maintaining and time for us to start being missional. It's time for us to push past our comfort and start to live with conviction. And so in this moment, I want you to stand on your feet for me. We're getting ready to leave together. I want you to stand on your feet. And I want to pray for you. Because what I know is that when you hear a word like this, it's easy to get emotional. It's easy to kind of hear something and then leave and not do anything with it. But I believe that in this room, I sincerely believe this. Number one, I'm biased, but I believe Victory Midtown is the best church in the world. I'm going to clap. Not because I'm the pastor, not because we serve here, but because of what God is doing in you. And I think it will be an indictment for us not to share the goodness of God to more people in this city so that we can really say that God's kingdom is coming in this earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Can you lift your hands right now? I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you that you are the God that knows every single thing we need. And so today, we thank you for showing up the way you did. We thank you, Father, that you've healed, that you've delivered. We thank you that you set captives free. We thank you, Father, for people who came to know you today in a new way. Most of all, Father, we say right now that we repent. We repent right now for operating in the bystander effect. We repent right now, Father, for being selfish in many ways. We repent right now as a body of believers for living in comfort. And right now, Father, we declare that we want to be those who step into convictional living. 
Father, I'm praying that you stir up each and every person in here right now under the sound of my voice, that they will not be able to leave here without answering the call, not just because the church needs something, but because you have a plan for them that you want them to impact far beyond what they're even doing now. God, I thank you right now for a body of believers who believes your word, who walks out your word, and we are charged up to go forth and advance the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, Victory. I absolutely love you and thank God for you.